Well, come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's make some noise, yeah. Man, it is so good to see you guys. Hope you had a great week. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to welcome you to Better Life Church. You know, maybe you don't know this, but we are one church in two locations. We have a Moorhead campus, and we also have a Grayson campus in Carter County. Can we get up for our Grayson campus? Yes. I'm telling you what. God is up to something big time in this region, and if you're just hanging out with us or you visit with us, we'd love for you to come and check out what God is doing here, and we always say, you come a few times, you're going to be family, and you realize that we're messed up just like you, you know what I'm saying? So welcome to the family. We're in this series called A Hurry. In fact, we end it today. If you find your life always being in a hurry, always being busy, always being rushed, this is the series for you. Hopefully the Lord has used it to speak into your life. I know He has mine, and I learned so much from it of what God has been teaching me about slowing down and then just enjoying life. If you missed the first week, you can go back and watch this online or download our app. It's a great way uh, to, to watch it. But you can go back, and the first week we talked about how do you slow down? Like, what are some practical advice? If you're in crisis mode, like your life is just so busy right now, how do you slow down? The second week we talked about the inner rush. Like what is behind the motive and the heart to always stay busy, to always fill our schedule, to always be in a hurry? And last week we talked about Jesus who said, come to me all who are weary and heavy and burdened. I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. I will give you soul rest. He says, come to me which means come and give your life to me. And last Sunday, we had 12 people give their life to Jesus. Is that amazing at both campuses? That's awesome. And he says, but if you come to me, you need to give up control. And that's the reason why we're so stressed all the time. We try to control everything. We try to control our, our outcomes at work, at home, our emotions, our family, our kids, our finances, our career. We try to control everything around us, and that's why we get so stressed. And what we've learned over the last little bit is that if you, are, if, if you are always weary or tired or you have a burden on you, your energy is low, right? You don't have a lot of energy. You get distracted really easily. You're always distracted. You lose your focus. You don't know what to focus on. And when you lose your focus, your priorities get off track. And when your priorities get off track, guess what else does? So does your schedule. And your schedule gets busy and you get stressed out, you get burned out, you get tired, and you get exhausted. And you just find yourself like that movie on Groundhog's Day, like you're just doing the same thing over and over and over. You're spinning your wheels, but you're not going anywhere. You don't have to raise your hand at either one of our locations. But am I pre preaching to you this morning? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like that just seems like me and just over and over and over. And it may be, it may be, it may be because you really haven't discovered your purpose. Like you don't know your life's purpose. Because when you know your life's purpose, it becomes the lens that you filter everything through. That when the decisions you need to make, the choices you need to make, the non-essential or essentials will be determined by your life's purpose. And honestly, most people don't know what their purpose is in life. I love what the Proverbs says here. Proverbs 9, it says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Not that we be afraid of God, but we have a reverence for Him, a holy reverence for Him. And then it says, knowledge of the Holy One, which is Jesus, results in good judgment. Like when I know more about Jesus, when I'm closer to Jesus, my judgment becomes better. Which means this, the more you know God, the more you will know and understand the meaning of your life's purpose. The closer you get to Jesus, the more understanding you will understand of your life's purpose. And I'm here to tell you, your life purpose is bigger than the people who pay you. 
It's bigger than your career. It's bigger than your degree. It's bigger than that accolade. It's bigger than that. Your life purpose is not your identity of what you do for a living. There's something behind that, and there's something greater. And the reality is most people go to their grave having no idea why God placed them on earth. They have no idea what their life purpose is. And we're going to change that. That's not going to happen with this group, right? It's not going to happen with us. We're going to figure out, God, why did you place me here? Why did you put me in Moorhead? Why did you put me in this family? Why did you give me this job? Why did you bring me to this college where it's MSU or KSU? Why did you bring me here? It's bigger than your degree. It's bigger than your pay. It's bigger than that. You know, I would go as far as say this, that the reason why you're here today is God knew you would be here and God brought you here today. He, his mercy kept you all night long. He woke you up this morning. He gave you breath this morning. The Holy Spirit drawed you here or you would not be here this morning, which that should be encouraging to us. That means God wants to say something to me. And he brought you here, whether you come to see someone be baptized today or whether you come just to say, hey, I heard something's going on. I want to see what's ha happening. God brought you here because he wants to speak to you. And I believe he wants to help you figure out what your purpose is in your life. So here's what we're going to do. School has started back, and you know when school starts back, guess what comes with school? Homework. How many of you love homework? How many of you love homework? Get your hand if you love homework. We don't like you guys, you know what I'm saying, at all. You know what I'm saying? And so here's just some homework. I can't obviously do this in a 30-minute talk, in a 30-minute coaching session, or talk with you, or, or preach a message to help you discover your life purpose. However, I have some questions that I want you to take with you, and I want you to go, and I want you to wrestle through these questions. I want you to do that. So I need you to take a pen and paper and write this down. Get your lipstick, mascara, or somewhere you can write this. Grab your phone. Get to your notes, apps. If you don't like to take notes, pay the person beside you. Tell them you'll get them some hibachi chicken. You know what I'm saying? If they will take notes for you and email them to you, okay? Delegate it. Because here's some questions that I want you to go, and I want you to wrestle with them this week. I want you to get before God and just say, God, help me discover what your purpose is in my life. And, and we do that. I'm telling you what, God will use you to make such a big difference to the people around you and impact for his kingdom. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Number one, what will be at the center of my life? This is a question you need to ask. What will be, now notice I didn't say what is right this second, because why? We're always a work in progress. That's why you came today. You may realize that what needs to be the center of your life is not the center of your life. So here's the question. What will be, what will you strive for, what will be your very best effort to be at the center of your life? What do you mean by that? Who or what are you going to live for? Who could be a person. Or what in your life are you going to live for? For so many people, they center their life around their career. Their career becomes the center focal piece of their life. In fact, they probably spend more time at their career than they even do with their own family because of the eight hours or nine hours or how many hours that you work a day throughout the week. And what happens, I see this happens all the time. People, when they, get, they finally get to the retirement, they speak to the retirement age, they finally retire from a career their whole identity was based in a career, and now here they are in their 60s or 70s, and they don't know who they are. It's not that they're not sad that they don't do what they still do. They have an identity crisis because they've always been known by their profession. They've always been known by what they've done and what they do, and they don't know who they are. 
And so now they're trying to figure this out at age 60 or 70. Who am I? I'm more than just a teacher. I'm more than just a professor. I'm more than just a retired banker. I'm more than this whatever profession you stepped down from. I'm more than this. But most people don't know that. Are you going to center your life around your career? Are you going to center your life around sports? Some of you are very athletic and your whole life becomes around sports. And there's nothing wrong with your career. There's nothing wrong with sports. But is that the center of your life? For some of you, it's a hobby. For some of you, it's making money. There's nothing wrong with doing it. But what's the center of it? What's the motive behind it? Maybe for you, it's to climb in the corporate ladder, right? And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in the manager, wanting to be the boss, wanting to be the leader. And as you grow, your influence should grow as well. But at what cost? Like, what's the center of that? What's behind the motive in our heart that wants us to be there? Because if you center your life around these things, these are not bad things. But if you center your life around these things, you eventually will be disappointed. Because everything I just said will not last forever. You need something at the center of your life. Watch this. That's strong, that's solid, that's unchangeable, that's reliable, that you can always trust no matter what happens. Of course, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I'm going to sling it. You know where I'm coming from now? You need Jesus. Jesus needs to be the center. And he could be the center in your career. He could be the center on the court or in the locker room. He could be the center behind how you can make money and how you use it to bless people. He could be the center of your hobby. Is he the center? What are you going to live for? He needs to be there. And Jesus doesn't just want to be first in your life. He wants to be centered. What do you mean by that? Well, let's say this morning, you woke up this morning, you grabbed your devotion, you grabbed your Bible, you read your Bible, you checked it off, you had your devotion, and that's it. And you go throughout the rest of the day, and you don't think about Jesus, don't talk to Jesus, don't do anything about Jesus, but you could say, arguably, I put him first today. That's awesome. That's great. You did that. But Jesus not, what, doesn't just want to be first. He wants to be center. He wants to be the center of your marriage. Make Jesus the center of your marriage, married people. Let him be the center of it and see what transformation takes place in your marriage. He wants to be the center of your relationships, center of your parenting, center of your finances, center of your career, center of your education. There's nothing wrong with these things, but is he at the center of it? Is he the main focus of this or is it you? So here's the question behind the question. Will you be self-centered or will you be God-centered? That's the question. We're discovering our purpose, right? If I have to discover my purpose, I've got to get me out of the way. I've got to get self out of the way. And let's just face it, we're all selfish, aren't we? We're all selfish. You don't believe it? Y'all pick different places to eat after church and, and see who gets upset because your place didn't get picked. I mean, I never struggle with that, ever. Right? We're selfish. Doesn't mean we're a bad person. Doesn't mean... We're a work in progress. Why? We want what we want, when we want, how we want. We're selfish. If I, 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 there's a job I want, I want that job. There's a, a degree I want, I want that degree. There's a, a, a career or a path or a, a place to, a, to shoot for, I want that. I want what I want. But is, is that self-centered? Is that God-centered? How do I know if he's at the center of my life? Well, let me speak for me because I can't speak for every single one of us. We're all wired differently. We have different personalities. Some are, are, are introverts, some are extroverts, some respond different. Some have crisis from our past. So you respond to things differently. But let me tell you something I see overall. How do I know that Jesus is the center of my life? I start worrying less about things. I start worrying less about them. 
Not that they're insignificant, I just don't worry about them. Because when you worry about something, that means that something has become the center of your life. I want you to think about that. If if things that happen where you worry about things in your life, that means that that thing, that object, whatever you're worried about, maybe it's finances, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's whatever it may be, that career or job, can you graduate? Will you graduate? Well, do you go to school? I'm afraid. Whatever's the center, whatever is, is, is there at the middle of what you worry about has become the focus point, the center of your life. See, when Jesus is center, I really don't have to worry about it as much. I don't have to think about it. My wife, the other day, she was doing a devotion with my four-year-old daughter. And um, the devotion was on worry. And my, my, my wife looks at my daughter and she said, Sadie, do you know what worry means? And Sadie's like, yeah, mom. I'm like, oh, where'd she get that sass from? You know what I'm saying? Like, where is it? It's from her daddy. But anyway, um, and she's like, yeah, mom, I, I know what it means. She said, what does it mean? She goes, it's a problem-free philosophy, akuna matata. <laughs> Didn't you say that, sissy? Didn't you say that? She says it's a kuna matata. Now, now listen, not so much correct theology, but she's on track because it's, it will be problems. It will not be pain-free. It will not be problem-free, but I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow in his hands. And when I focus on that, then guess what? When he's at the center of my life, I'm a little, I don't have to worry as much. I don't have to worry about it. Here's something else I've learned. When Jesus is at the center of my life, I kind of bounce back from problems quicker. When crisis comes my way, when stress comes my way, when problems come my way, I bounce back a little bit faster, a little bit more resilient because I know who's at the center of my life. Here's another thing to think about. What you think about the most is at the center of your life. What's, what consumes your mind? That's the center of your life. The stock market dropped 600 points on Friday. If your heart dropped because it dropped, it's because it's at the center of your life. When some crisis happens in the world and politics go crazy, backwards and forwards, scare taxes, everyone's afraid, and all of a sudden you begin to panic over all what the news says, it's because that has become the center of your life. When all you think about is what people think about you. When all you think about, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not smart enough, I will never be enough. When you think about yourself and you have a low self-esteem, guess who's at the center of your life? You. And you won't think about that being self-centered. I know, I've been there. I think about that all that, and whatever consumes your mind is what's at the center of your life. You have the power to change that. Those things do not have to consume your mind. You have the power to control that by the Holy Spirit that's within you. And all these things, listen, are not security. Only Jesus can be real, the real security in your life. So make him the center of your life. I love what Proverbs 3 says. It says, seek his will in all you do. Let me stop right there. How do you do that? Like, how do you do that? All right, let's like... Time out, like if we could stop the sermon right now and we could just ask questions. And that's crazy because we got a series coming up here in October called You Asked For It. And we're going to let you ask any questions you want to ask. And we're going to tackle those from the stage. It's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss that. So you'd be thinking about what some questions that you ever thought about. Maybe the Bible or maybe about God and things like that. Did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay, whatever. You know, what happened to the dinosaurs? 
they died. <laughs> okay, I don't know, right? I mean, maybe you have some questions that you just, I mean, it's a serious question that you've always just wanted to ask. It's going to be a series that you ask for. You get to determine what we're going to preach about. But anyway, I got sidetracked there. It says, seek his will. How do you do that? I don't know. Let me tell you what I do. When I wake up in the morning and my eyes open, the first thing I begin to say is, God, thank you. And you give me another day of life. That means you have a purpose for me. That means there's something you want me to do today. And I surrender this day to you. And then I get up and I go and do my own thing. See, listen, so when you talk to God, pray, and I'm going to talk about prayer in the next series. You don't have to spend 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, get me for God praying. Praying is like a conversation. You just start it. You start it. And then I go about it. And I've been really praying this in my own life. It says, the Bible says that you can make your own plans, but God directs your steps. And say, God, here's my agenda today. I've got plans today. Here's my to-do list and my to-don't list that I don't need to do. Here's my list. And I made my plans, but would you direct my steps? God, would you direct the steps when I go into this conversation with this person? God, would you direct my steps in this meeting? Now that I say what you want me to say. If someone comes up to me and they're a stranger, someone starts talking to me, I say, God, will you direct our conversation? Where do you want to go with this? That is a conscious mind of saying, God, you're center, that you're in control. Because there's no magic formula, there's no magic pill that you could take say, ha, I'm in the center of God's will. How do I know? I'm just going to surrender everything I do to him and you will be in the center of his will. Because God will never, ever lead you astray. He says, seek his will in all that you do. Then look what it says. He will show you which path to take. What are you praying about right now? Follow him. He'll show you which path to take. Should I major in that? Should I major in that? Should I take that job? Should I take that job? Should I move there? Should I move there? Pray. Like, get before him and say, God, I'm just going to put you center. And you tell me. And you promise me. And God don't lie. He cannot lie. It goes against his character and his nature. He says he'll show you which path to take. So I don't have to worry if he's at the center of my life. What will be at the center of my life? Question number two, what difference will I make with my life? He says, what you got to wrestle with? What difference am I going to make with my life? What difference will I make? How are you going to use your God-given talents and abilities in this life? Are you going to use them to benefit yourself? Or are you going to use them to help others? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For we are God's masterpiece, we're his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things for, he, for as long ago as he's already planned for us. These great things that he has planned for us. Let me tell you something I know about God. God knew you would be here. God knew you when you were be born. He knows when you take your last breath. He knows everything about you. He's already planned your whole life. He took all your dumb decision choices that you know that you would make and that I would make. He took his sovereignty because he's a sovereign God. And somehow, I don't know how he works this out, but with your free will and his sovereignty, he has mapped out your life. He's already know all the situations and choices that you would make for the rest of your life. And with his great righteous right hand has somehow weaved in his sovereignty. And he knows when you were born. And he knew, knows exactly when you will die. And all in between there, he has planned a life for you. Not a pain-free life, not a problem-free life, but a great good life for you. If you would make him center of, your, his, of his life, if you make him center of your life, he will walk his will out in your life that he says that are good. That are good. Because here's what you see. Every single day of your life, you walk by people in your life who need you. But you know what the problem is? We're busy. We're in a hurry. I got to get class to class, job to kids to home, 
meeting to meeting to meeting. And here's what you need to do. You need to slow down because what God is doing around you, if you'll just slow down, you will see how he wants to use you. But most of us, we don't slow down. And every single person you come in contact with that's around you, somewhere God is working in their life, and he may just want to use you to minister to him. You know what I'm talking about? The person like at work tomorrow, like you just kind of want to jack slap. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has one of those persons in the offense. You know what I'm saying? We don't <laughs> at our church. We're staff is great. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe the reason why you're there is because God wants to use you in their life. Listen to me, students. You know the student that sits at the table that everybody makes fun of? That no one wants to talk to, but when you go by, you're like, ah, oh, man, that's not right, man. That's really not cool, but you don't know what to say. Don't want to. Maybe God won't put them on your heart so that you would go befriend them and sit with them. It's bigger than you. But see, if you'll get up every day saying, God, I surrender this day to you. I just trust you. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I got to go to class. Yes, I got to go to work. Yes, I got to go to these things. But Lord, I want to put you center. Just show me how, what do you want to do with me today? It's that simple. And then listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. But the reality is we miss seeing what God wants because we're overloading our schedules. We're always in a rush from one place to the next. Here's a side note there. Never confuse activity with productivity. Just because you're active doesn't mean you're productive. Someone needs to just chew on that for a moment. Here's the question behind the question. Will you be a giver or will you be a taker? In this life, will you be a giver or will you be a taker? Will you get up every single day of your life and say, how can I give my life to someone and to make a difference and help somebody else? How can I make a difference? Or will you be a taker that this life is about me and mine and my kingdom? I will build my kingdom. I will work on my will. I will do my stuff my way. That's what a, that's what a taker says. But a giver gets up and says, no, Lord, my life is not for me. What do you want to do with me? How do you want me to serve you? You see, you can make a living by getting, but you make a life by giving. And you can make a living all you want by the stuff you get, but if you want to make a life, then give. And I mean generous and bless people and serve the people around you. Because one day, you will stand before God. Now, usually when that happens, you know where it goes from here. I, I wasn't raised in church. So I, 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 I've been to a few church services when I was a kid, and, and I go to church, and somebody was on stage, and they were screaming, and their face was red, and I was more scared of the preacher than I was hell. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever been there before, but that's the church. I went there, like, and they're like, and if you want to get saved, come forward and grab the preacher's hand. He would eat me. I am not going forward. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but, but I've been, and they would stand and say, someday you're going to stand before God and every single thing that you've done and every single thing that you've said and everything that you've ever did in your whole life will be displayed from the whole entire world and everyone will see what you've done. I was like, oh gosh, sixth grade, I remember, you know, oh no, you know, and, and you're scared, right? Well, that's not necessarily true because the Bible says there will come a day that every single person will stand before the Lord. And there will be those on his left and there will be those on his right. Those on his left, the Bible says, will be the great white throne judgment. Not to get eschatology to the end times, but they will stand on his left and they will be judged. And they will be judged because they never put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then the Bible goes on and says that death and, and, and Hades, everything will be cast into what you and I know at that time to be hell. And all those on the left. But those over here on his right, there's a book we call the Lamb's Book of Life. This is where that your name, when you give your life to Jesus, your name is inked in blood. It can't be erased. It can't be blotted out. If God saved you, he saved you and will always save you. So it's not like God said, oh, oh you did that last night. I'm going to blot your name out. No, that's not God. He don't work that way. If that's the case, we're all messed up. 
God doesn't do that. It's His grace and His mercy keeps us and saves us and covers us. But then, whose names are found in that book, which is every single person put their faith and trust in Jesus, you will stand before God. I will not stand before God to get into heaven. God is not going to judge me on my works to, if I was good enough to get into heaven because I'm not good enough. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus. I'm already saved. So this is not a salvation issue when I stand before God as a Christian now. I'm not being judged on my salvation. Jesus paid my price. He took my punishment. So I'm heaven bound. But I will give an account for my life. And how did I use the resources that God's given me? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. You can go read this. Write that down. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. And here's what it says. Everything that you did with a, unself, that you did with a selfish heart and unpure motives, and we've all been there, will be tested. And anything that's made of hay and stubble and wood will burn away. But the resources that I've given you, your influence, your time, your treasures, the things that I've blessed you with on life, if you've used them with a pure heart and a pure motive to advance my kingdom, it says this. It says we'll be tested through that fire and you will be rewarded for what comes out of how you served me. And then we will take those rewards these crowns, this way, and we give them to Jesus because he's the one that's worthy of this. So how I live and what I do, I will be judged, not for salvation. Jesus already paid that. But how I lived on earth, this is just preparation. Now, I don't try to be good so I can be rewarded because now my motives are impure. I just live for Jesus and make him the center of my life. And I pray that my heart is pure and my motives are pure in all that I do. So when I do stand there that day, whatever I did out of self-righteousness, self-centeredness will burn away. And what was pure in heart and pure in gold will be last. And that's what you will be rewarded for. The Bible walks all the way through this. That's love what Paul writes in Galatians 6. Whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good, what? To everyone. Yes, even your enemies. We should be good to everyone. So here's some questions. What will be at the center of my life? Go wrestle with that. Is it going to be Jesus-centered or you-centered? That's your choice. No one can make you or force you to do that. That's your choice. But I promise you, if you make your life center around Jesus, you better hold on because he's going to take you on an unbelievable journey. Because his, his plans and his ways are higher and greater than mine. His, his, his plan for my life is better than anything that I can dream of for myself. What difference will I make with my life? You all have talents and abilities, and God's blessed every one of us in certain different ways. How are you going to use that to make a difference in other people's lives? And here's the last one, third question. What message will I communicate with my life? Do you know that you communicate to the people around you? And God wants to use you to say something to the world. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, he says, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you. Is that not a beautiful way this translation puts it? It says, the word that's in you is ringing out. Like everyone is hearing this. For wherever we go, people, we find people telling us about your faith in your God. That your life message is ringing out. What does your life message ring out, students, when you go to school? Like, what's the life message it's just playing from you? What do people hear when they see you? Because your message rings out when you're in the locker room, when you think no one else is looking. Students, what's that message that your life rings out at work? 
when you're at work, everyone's watching you. Do you know that? And then you do about it. And you call yourself a Christian, you're walking in with your Better Lives Church t-shirt on. But then you talk filth just like the rest of the world. And I'm like, you're no different. You act that way. What message does your life bring to the people that you work with? What, what message does your life bring at home? See, at home is where we drop our guard. Why? Because it's the people that we love the most, but we take it all out on. All the stress and the pressures and stuff at work, we take our mask on and we finally say, ah, oh, we unleash it all at home. What message is your life ringing at home? You know, that's the battle sometimes being a, a pastor and a communicator and having four kids. Is that you're held accountable. Especially now that they're old enough to hear what daddy preaches. And when daddy says, come on, hurry, 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 hurry. They look at daddy and says, dad, practice what you preach. discipline you son it's accountable but we're all accountable and you got to strive your very best well I mess up all the time all the time but what message would your life ring to the people around you 18,000 people in Round County stayed home in bed this morning 22,000 people in Carter County stayed in bed this morning I just wondered if 1,500 plus people who call Better Life Church their home church here every Sunday had a life message that rung out when we drive by them at work, at home, at school. What message are we displaying to make say, man, something different about you. You're different than the world acts. I debated whether to even harp on this and, and get to it, but maybe it's just personal, so this is from Daniel, maybe not from the Lord, but what message is your life ringing out on social media? I see these people who say they claim to follow Jesus and they post things and they say things. And I'm just like, really? Really? And you know me, right? I'm the first thing because I, I respond quickly. I'm not an introvert. I think, I, 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 I do, I, I, I shoot, then I aim. You know what I'm saying? And we'll go for it. And you're like, and you're like, ah. You're a pastor. Right? Oh, because I, oh, listen, I can make a point. I can make a point with the best of them, and I can type things and sling, th sling things and sling rocks. I can make a point, but I'm not here to make a point. I'm here to make a difference. And you need to think through those things when your life message rings out to people around you. Are you trying to make a point? I mean, I can make one, but I want to make a difference. And the things that you say on your social media, media or at work and the things that come out of your mouth and the way that you talk and the way that you live and the way that you act is a message that's being communicated to the people around you. And we just need to be consciously aware of that, that people watch us by the way that we live. Maybe this should be a verse we should put on our computers and phones and maybe really sear it into our hearts and our mind. Philippians 1. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Oh, that is so good. Like, I mean, if we could just sear that in our heart, like 
What you're about to post, is that worthy of the gospel? Is someone going to be drawn by the gospel to that or pushed away from it, from you saying that? Imagine that at work when you want to say something. Is this what I'm about to say worthy of the good news of Jesus? And this trend we see right now with Christians cussing all the time. You know how stupid you look? You know how immature you are? Because you can say those things and you think you're cool. You look like an idiot. And I'm just letting you know, I'm saying it. It's like, man, pastor, no. What message are we saying? I know all things are permissible. I'm not going to hell because I said that. But not everything's beneficial. What you say, what you drink, what you smoke, what you do. It's time for us to make a difference. We're to look different. This is not our home. Act like a citizen of heaven. Because I promise you, I guarantee you, you wouldn't act that way, talk that way, have swag that way if Jesus was walking with you. And let me tell you, he's not walking with you, honey. He's in you. He's in you. We are supposed to be citizens of the kingdom. This is not our world. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to act different. And eventually our life's message will ring out. And just like I did when I was in college my junior year, for two years living with my roommate, his life message rung so loud, it convicted me to my knees that I gave my life to Jesus because I wanted what he has. And that takes time. Just be consciously aware, what is your life ringing out? I love this, Acts 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the sad thing is? Most people go to their grave, they have no idea what God assigned them to do. And I promise it's not your career. There's something bigger than your career and your paycheck. And you may be in a great career that's making a difference in people's lives. That's awesome. Listen, it's bigger than me just being a pastor. There's something else that God has encountered and wants me to do. And not just get up and communicate every Sunday, but there's something else that's bigger than this. Because someday somebody else will stand here and they'll continue to communicate and my life will be gone. And did I fulfill the assignment that God had for me? And then it says, here's the assignment, the work of telling others the good news about a wonderful grace of God. Like, that's it. Does my life ring that message? Or is my life about me, my kingdom, what I want, when I want it, how I want it, and because I'm saved by grace, I'll say what I want, do what I want, talk like I want, and act like I want. It was about being consciously aware, I'm going to make this surrender to you and be God. I'm going to live as a citizen of heaven. Even though it's hell on earth. And see what God does. Here's the question behind that question. Will you use your life to promote yourself? Or will you use your platform and your influence to share Jesus? Maybe the reason why God took you to that top of that corporate ladder is so you can share Jesus. Maybe the reason you are the star athlete is so you can share Jesus. Maybe because you are so super strong and smart in academia and God wants you to use that platform to share Jesus. I don't know. Maybe you're, I don't know what it is. But are you going to share Jesus or is it going to be promoting myself? Here's the good news. You don't have to be perfect to have a life message. Because here's what some people say, well, Pastor, man, you don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've tried. I'm so jacked up. There's no way I can have a life message. No, yes, God wants to use you 
to change the world. You don't have to be perfect to talk about a perfect Jesus. You just got to be real and you got to be honest. And you know what I've come to find out? Most people rather you be real than be right all the time. Just be real. I struggle with what you struggle with. I am no different than you. Everything you go through, I go through the same. And honestly, most of my sermons are birthed out of my pains and my problems and what God has done in my life. And I sense that I have taken the log out of my own eyes so I could talk to the speck in yours. And that just comes with it. And if that's my life message and assignment, then so be it. Let's keep working and be real and be honest and be a family of God that you can come just the way you are, warts and all. Let's just figure this out together. And walk this out. I love this. And I'll close with this verse, Isaiah 26. Because this is what the whole series has been about, right? Peace. Most of us, were not at peace because we're always hurrying. We're always rushing. We're always busy. And when you're always busy, you're always stressed. You're always anxious. And you don't have time to spend with God. What we want really is peace. Peace today. I go to bed tonight going, I did my very best today to live for Jesus. My heart's at peace. I took one step closer fulfilling the assignment God has for me. And I have peace. Every day of your life. It says this, you will keep in perfect peace. That means Jesus will keep you in perfect peace. All who what? Trust in Him. Trust you. All who, here, watch this. This, this, is, this is so good. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. What do you mean by that? You have the power to control your schedule, your inner rush, and the peace that you receive. How? By fixing your thoughts on Him. By making Jesus center of everything. Not that these things were bad things. These are awesome. Nothing wrong with being the best. You'd be athlete and academia and, and leadership and business and how you bless people with your finances. That's awesome. But is he center? Make him center. And you imagine the platform and the influence God would use when you make him center of your life. You have the power to do that, Bob, by controlling your thoughts and fixing your thoughts on him. I'm going to ask people to bow your heads. Who are you going to live for? What's your purpose? What's the center of your life? Don't you want your life to make a difference? It's never too late. Pastor, I'm retired now. I'm kind of, uh, are you kidding me? Used all your wisdom and all your battle marks and all your bruises and all your pain and all your scar and minister to the next generation. They need you. God's not finished with you yet. You're still breathing. You still got a pulse. You still have a purpose. And if you really want to discover that purpose, you need to come to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to him, you might know intellectually about Jesus and about this God thing, but you never surrendered your life to him. Man, what an awesome day to give your life to Jesus. Run to your creator who made you and created you and placed you in here right now because he has a purpose for you. The Bible says this, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible said you will be saved. What do you mean that? What do you mean saved? Remember we talked about those two judgments? You will be saved from those who are on that left. Your life would be spared because your name will be written by the blood of Jesus. 
You'll be safe from God's wrath. That's what that means. What a beautiful day to give your life to Him. Not because we're afraid, not because we're scared, because He loves us. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. You mean all I got to do is just pray and give my life to Jesus and surrender my life to Him? That's not fair. That's called grace. So if that's you, right where you sit, will you just cry out to Him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I repent of my sin and I surrender my life to you. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. And we believe the scripture that whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you, what an awesome day. In fact, it's not too late. Here at the Moorhead campus, we're having a baptism. Let's go. We're ready. Today would be a great day. Go in and be baptized today. To show the whole world that you're following Jesus. You're putting the jersey on. Jump in. Put the jersey on. I'm on the team. Part of the family. Let's go. At both of our locations, you could go out to the Next Step area. Here at the Moray campus is a big red room. There at the Grayson, it's the Next Step banner. They're in the lobby. Just go say, today I gave my life to Jesus. And here's what we want to do. We've got our resources we want to give you. In fact, let me tell you what the best thing for you to do if you just gave your life to Jesus. You want to understand what your life purpose is? We want to help you discover your life purpose. Go jump in Life Track right now. Go, to the, go across the road to the Next Step area and say, I want to, I want to be part of this Life Track because I'm going to figure out what God's purpose is for my life. Go jump in Life Track at both campuses, and we're going to help you figure that out. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every single day. We thank you for your word that's so relevant to our lives. I pray that through this series, that this week we will slow down, we will jump into some of these questions, we'll start seeing what our life is centered on, what we're building our life on, what foundation, and we pray that if it's on the wrong foundation, we will change this week and we'll start building on the firm foundation, the rock, which is your son Jesus. Father, we thank you in advance for everybody getting ready to be baptized here at the Moorhead campus. We believe great things are going to come from seeing you move in their lives. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and pray. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.